title of this morning's message is called Game Changer. Game Changer is the title of this morning's message. And as we jump into this morning's message, a quick recap of where we come up to this. And as we go on a quest for the glory of God, we are in pursuit of his glory. And, here, and we're going to find out why today. We're going to find out the why more than anything else today. And as we begin this series, we always ask ourselves this question. And we start a quest with a question. Is my passion for his presence and glory measurable outside of the expression of my local worship service or my regular Sunday worship service? Is my passion for his glory and presence, is it measurable outside of what I've just done here this morning in the midst of a song set? Amen. Is my passion measurable? I'm praying by now you see God show up in your home life. Amen. I'm praying by now if you've been in the hospital, God showed up in your hospital room. Amen. I'm praying you have a measurable expression. And what I mean by that, a measurable expression, is you leave your quiet time or whatever time you want to call it. You leave your time with God and you're different because you felt his presence and glory show up outside of a church service. Come on now. I think the long lost uh, uh, thing of the church is that we only think God shows up in church and God doesn't want to just show up in church. He wants to show up at your house. He wants to show up in your kid's life. He wants to show up at your school. He wants to show up at your workplace. He wants to show up in a measurable expression outside of a Sunday morning worship service. So we must continue to ask ourselves this question uh, of this as we move forward. And a quest is not a quest if there's not a purpose of it. The reason we're on this quest in the pursuit of his glory is because of this mandate in Isaiah 61 verse 4. And it says they shall redeem or they says they shall repair, which means to redeem or make new the ruined cities and redeem or make new the devastation of generations. The purpose of his glory always showing up is for this. It's for the setting free of those who are in bondage and captivity. And so as we begin to pray for our city, amen. As we begin to pray for our city, say, I do it. As we begin to pray for our county, say, I always do it. As we begin to pray for this state that we live in, say, yes, it needs it. As we begin to pray for the United States of America, good Lord, help us. Amen. Come on now. If God's people would just pray and we would come to God with prayer. We would see what Isaiah 61 verse 4 part B is talking about. We would see the making new of our cities. We would see the, re the, the restoration, the making new, the devastation of many generations. And that's the cry of our heart at TWBC. This isn't just a series message. This is where we're headed over the next five years. That we want to see the glory of God show up in a way that Sulphur Springs looks different. Amen. That, that, that our city looks different, amen. That not just my generation, but the two generations after me and the two generations before me begin to be redeemed, made brand new, something completely different. Can I get an amen? And so we must begin to walk this out and see the power and the glory of God in ways that we never have. And so it's for the setting free of those who are in slavery and in bondage. And this quest is not for the faint of heart. And we're going to get into these two things this morning uh, on a little bit deeper level. The quest is not for the faint of heart. And so there's a wisdom that comes from God, from the Holy Spirit. That wisdom is to move us forward because the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. But we can't get held back because of cautiousness and fear of fear of what I do not understand and knowledge that I do not have. If we all only limit the, uh, the glory of God coming to the amount of our understanding, we're going to get into this pretty deep this morning, we limit the, the glory of God to our mindset and our understanding rather than his understanding and his mindset. Amen. And so we cannot stop uh, the glory of God for fear of what we do not know or fear of what we do not understand and knowledge that we do not have. And so we've talked about this. What is the trap? 
the trap that we go into is, is Moses, uh, the Bible says this in Psalms, Moses knew his ways or the face of God, but Israel only knew the acts of God, the manifestation of his hand. And we cannot fall into that trap of just simply knowing his hand, what he does with his hands and not realizing his face. And so we know this, that we must go into steps as we walk into the glory of God, but not make it a process that eliminates God. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what they did in the Old Covenant uh, as well. They made it a process that eliminated God, not steps of faith into the presence of God. You must always take steps of faith into the presence of God. And don't miss him. Don't miss his face by looking at it. God shows up in an amazing way. I mean, we heard an awesome testimony this past Wednesday night about a a, a mammoth career breakthrough of what God did in a gentleman's life over the past six months when everybody else's careers were falling apart and they'd been laid off and fired. He was promoted, amen, and got to a place of, of an amazing place with God uh, through it. And so we must begin to realize if we only look at the promotion, we miss him by looking at the it that he gave us. He gives us the it so it will draw us to his face. And so we can't get caught up in the trap of just looking at the it and miss him because Moses realized that he arrived at a place of God said, it's time for you to go to the promised land. And he said, I'm going to send an angel with you and I'm going to bring you into the land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to make every desire of your heart come to pass. And Moses said, uh, if your presence does not go with us up from here, do not take us. Don't let us go into the promised land without you because he knew that the wilderness with God was better than the promised land without God. The wilderness with God is better than the promised land without God. And so we must always be careful when we think we've arrived because many times we're going into a place where we leave the presence of God behind. And as we jump into today's message called The Game Changer, I want to, to start with this question is, why is the presence or glory of God so important? We're, we're spending a whole series on this. We're spending about 10 weeks on this. We, we've built up for this through the first half of the year. Why is the presence or the glory of God so important? Some will say because when the presence and glory of God shows up, people are set free. Yes, that's good. When the presence and the glory of God shows up, healings and miracles happen. Yes, those are great. Those are good. But no, really, on a deeper level, why is the presence of God so important? Psalm 103, verse 7 says this. It says, Moses knew his ways, but Israel knew his acts. Because the supernatural, get this, because the supernatural can be duplicated, but the presence and glory of God can never be duplicated or manufactured. The presence and the glory of God is so important because acts in the supernatural can be duplicated. Many times, whatever God can do in the supernatural, the enemy can manifest similarly in the supernatural. You can get a vision from God and you can get a vision that's sent straight from the enemy. <laughs> okay? So, so why is the glory of God so important and the presence of God so important? It's because even though acts of the supernatural can be duplicated and even sometimes manufactured, the presence and the glory of God can never be duplicated by the enemy. It can never be manufactured. So when the presence and the glory of God shows up, it's going to show up and you're going to know it's his face, not just his acts. And as we jump into this message this morning, the presence is the game changer because the enemy cannot duplicate it. The enemy cannot manufacture it. The enemy cannot do anything because the presence means it's God himself and the enemy cannot stand in the presence of God himself. Come on, some of y'all need to get with me on this. The presence of God is so important because it's the only thing that cannot be manufactured or duplicated. I want to bring you through some scriptures to prove this out in Exodus in the life of Moses. Exodus chapter 7 verses 10 through 13. It says, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. 
and did just what the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff in fr- threw his staff down in front of Moses and his officials, and it became a snake. And then Pharaoh summoned some of the wise men and the sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts. Each one of them threw their staff down, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs, yet Pharaoh's heart became hard and would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. Now I bring that scripture up for a reason, because the acts of the supernatural, Moses threw his staff down, it became a snake. The sorcerers threw their staffs down. It became a snake. Obviously, we know the presence won over because the one overtook the others. But if we only follow acts of the supernatural, many times they can be manufactured or duplicated to lead people astray. As much as the presence of God wants to use acts of the supernatural to lead people to his face. So this is why the presence of God is the game changer. Because the presence of God cannot be duplicated or manufactured. Let's read on down in Exodus chapter 7, verse 20 through 24. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. I love how they're responding to the Lord and the glory shows up. Amen. And Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. And he raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile. And all the water was changed into blood and the fish in the Nile died. And the river smelled so bad the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. But the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned and went into his palace, and he did not, and he did not even take this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. And have you ever wondered why the people of of not just America but around the world, their hearts are so hardened to the things of the church? It's because we've had a lot of things duplicated with no presence. Come on. And just like Pharaoh, oh, somebody who didn't believe, somebody who was not under covenant, if things can be duplicated with no presence, people's heart becomes harder to the gospel, not softer to the gospel. This is why when we see amazing things happen, I want to make sure the presence of God is here. So in the midst of a supernatural act happening, his face shows up and people know that it's not a recreation or a duplication or a manufacturing of it. It is the presence of God falling on somebody to change their life, to draw him to his face so they become born again with an experience, come on, of his glory, not just a visual effect that takes place. Let's read on in the scripture. Exodus chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch your hand out with your staff over the streams and the canals and the ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched his hand out over the waters of Egypt and frogs came upon and covered the land. But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Now, now, one thing I find humorous reading this story, bear with me here. I'm going to get off track just for a second. I find something humorous in this story. Aaron did this to the land of Egypt, the land they're trying to escape. The enemy is so, I'm just going to say it like, he's so stupid that he's going to do the same thing to himself. <laughs> did you notice this? The, the, water turned, the Nile water turned to blood. So the Egyptian the sorcery did the same thing, but they're doing it to themselves. 
Their kingdom is imploding upon themselves because they're doing it to themselves just to prove, try to prove that they're as powerful as God. And so he did the same thing here with the frogs. All more frogs came upon because the magicians did the same thing to themselves. That doesn't make much sense. Okay, maybe it's just me who finds that humorous. But did you see what happened? They, they duplicated what Aaron did. And then you're, you're, some of you are probably thinking, Pastor, you're reading a bunch of Old Testament stuff. Well, let's look in Acts, the, the book of Acts, chapter 13. We know the book of Acts took place after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Give me an amen on that. We know this is after the Holy Spirit came in great power and 3,000 were born again. And also later the number grew to 5,000. And so they were expanding rapidly in the Christian faith. And so these, we are full-fledged New Testament uh, born-again spirit-filled believers here, okay? We're in our day and age when I read this story. It says, as they traveled through the whole island until they came to Papyrus, they met a Jewish, listen, a, a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet prophet named some of your versions say bar jesus which literally means son of jesus who was an attendant of the proconsul the proconsul an intelligent man sent for barnabas and saul because they wanted to hear the word of god but elimaeus the the sorcerer and that's what his name means opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul uh, from the faith then Saul, who is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight into the eyes of the man and said, You are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right, and you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, and you will never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. Now, I, it doesn't talk about a specific thing that he did, but when it says sorcery, you can equate that word back to the exact same thing that we just read about in the Old Testament. He was manufacturing or duplicating supernatural works, but was not of God. This is how it says in the Bible. Many of you on that day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Do mighty miracles in your name and all these other things in your name. And he's going to look at you and say, I never knew you. <laughs> Come on now, if you're with me, say I'm here. Why am I saying this? Why am I putting such great emphasis on this? It's because this is setting us up to realize that the presence of God is the most valuable thing in the history of our Christian faith that we must begin to see operate in our life. And I am not belittling the word of God when I say this next statement. It is valuable, it is critical, it is vital, but the church of Acts did what they did without a book that we have. The church of Acts did what they did without a book that we have. It goes back to what we did in the series previously. His presence empowers his principles, not his principles empowering his presence. We must put great emphasis on the presence of God. And seeing the presence of God fall in life. And I'm not saying that this is not valuable. You better take it with you wherever you go. You better read it and you better study it. Because what's written in here better line up with what you're seeing manifest out here. Because a lot of times we're seeing duplication and manufacturing instead of the actual tangible presence of God. And we're deceived because we hadn't been in enough time in this. <laughs> but when you truly see his presence show up, you're going to have an experience with his presence that makes this all the more valuable and come all the more alive. Come on now. As we step into the, the, this message, I want you to begin to understand that the presence of God has got to become so valuable in your life. 
I mean, so valuable that you don't go to work tomorrow unless the presence goes with you. Come on. Don't call in sick to work because the presence didn't show up. That means you didn't get up early enough to do your part. <laughs> Come on. And, and don't blame me if your boss calls me and you're fired because you didn't show up because the presence didn't show up, all right? No, you need to wake up early enough that the presence shows up that you begin to carry it with you and it becomes the most valuable thing in your life. I don't even begin to think about crafting a message or putting words on paper until the presence of God has shown up in my life and I hear his word spoken to me through the spirit of God that says this is the direction you go for this Sunday morning or for this Wednesday night message or for this revival or for this pastor's conference until his presence shows up. I don't even attempt to move. Because I can't duplicate his presence. I can't manufacture his presence. I can come up with some great dadgum messages, but if his presence doesn't come, come on now. You can sing all the great mighty worship songs from the last century, but if his presence doesn't come upon it, you're not going to walk in the fullness of it. And so we must begin to walk in the value of the presence of God. And so I want you to begin to think about this next statement. It's what you do not know, and what I do not know about his presence and glory is just as important as what I do know about his presence and glory. Okay, what I do not know about his presence and glory is just as important as what I do know about his presence and glory. Many of us, we put more value on what we do know about his presence and glory than what we don't know. But the problem with that is, if you only put value on what you do know, what we know about his presence and glory is about this much here. But what we don't know is about this much over here. So you must put just as much value on what you don't know and what you're going to press into as what you do know about his presence and glory. And what I do not know and understand, I need to... Listen, we've, we've used this several times, and it says, what I do know and understand, I need to steward well about his presence and glory. So what I do know becomes important, but I need to steward or manage it well so it can multiply. What I do not know, fear of what I do not understand and knowledge that I do not have, must become a point of faith to drive me forward into a deeper experience with him. What I do not understand and what I do not know must become a faith point in my life. Find out everything you know about his glory and presence. Write it down on a piece of paper when you go home. Just begin to describe it in every way you can. And then that's your faith point. And say, God, this is all I know about it. And so I need to manage this and steward this well so it can multiply. But I'm not going to let what I don't know about it stop me because now I'm getting into the realm of faith according to your presence and glory. Do, do we get this? Let me give you an example. Everybody pull out your cell phone. Everybody pull out your cell phone. Okay, I'll say it clearly one more time. Everybody pull out your cell phone. I need you to pull out your cell phone. Do you remember when you got your cell phone? You remember when you first got it? You remember you're kind of excited about it? I don't care how old it is now. You're kind of excited about it when you got it. And I remember when I first got my cell phone, the, what I knew about it was very little. I knew I could punch in numbers and hit a certain button and it would call somebody, right? And, and so I had to, 
with what I understood about it. I had to use it for the best of capability I could use it in so I could actually use it. But I did not let what I didn't know about it keep me from exploring what I didn't know about it to start to begin to use it as its full capacity. Do you understand that? Some of you have so much power in your hand because you got a phone, and please come to the light side. It's a Mac and a P, and not an Android. Come on, iPhone. This is a big argument I have with one of our great friends of mine. He's the, the minister of education at, at First Baptist. We eat lunch probably once or twice every month. And, and our big argument is, is he's always a PC and Android, and, and I'm, I'm Mac and iPhone, and, and we always make fun of each other. I said, you need to come over to the, to the light. <laughs> you come over to the real side. The, the big fight in my, the house between me and my wife is she's PC and I'm Mac. And I'm like, honey, would you just see the light? <laughs> would you come on over? <laughs> you know? And so as you look at your cell phone when you first got it, your knowledge and understanding of it was very limited. Your use of it was also very limited. But how many of you did not let that stop you from exploring everything about your new cell phone? In fact, some of you were mad because your new cell phone didn't operate like your old cell phone. And we operate the same way in the church. We get mad because a new manifestation of His glory doesn't line up with our old manifestation. Come on now. The new movement of God that God's trying to do in the last days and pour His Spirit out upon all flesh and, and see uh, the church become amazing, we're upset because it doesn't look like it did with, with Charles Finney when he did it in the 1800s. Come on now. It can't look the same. That's not progression. And with your understanding of this, when you first got it, you were probably able to send text messages. You are probably able to download certain apps that you wanted. But you never realized all that was available, listen to this, in the cloud. Come on. Some of you, when you got born again, you were excited. You loved it. You loved this new feeling of forgiveness. But you didn't realize all that was available in the cloud of the glory of God in the new presence you could step into. Come on now. Somebody get with me on this. That's got to be one of the best illustrations ever. And it looked like y'all just didn't even get it. <laughs> we must become aware of what we do not know. Because what we do not know about the presence and the glory of God is just as important. And what we do know about the presence and the glory of God. And get this. We must walk in what we understand about the presence and the glory of God. We must walk in what we understand. But not at the expense of stunting our spiritual growth. Because we're not willing to uh, go into what we do not understand. Okay, we, we must walk in what we understand. We must live what we understand because to not do that is sin. To know something and to not do it, the Bible says, is sin. But it's also sin to stay living in this when we don't walk by faith because the Bible also says anything that does not come from faith is sin. <laughs> come on now. And so for us to stay stuck in only what we understand at the expense of stunting our growth and getting into what we don't fully understand, that, that be, it becomes a walk where we've got to fully live out what we know but not let it keep us from walking into what we don't know. Come on. And so in this pursuit of his glory, the presence of God has got to become the most valuable thing in our life. And as we begin to, to walk in what we understand, we've got to step into 
what we don't understand, and we must begin to put great value on a ch- as a church on what we do not know about the glory and the presence of God. Because that is our faith point to drive us forward into the fullness in the, of the presence and glory of it. We've used this, this story a couple weeks ago in a message where Moses went up on the mountain. He stepped into what he did not know. But everybody else said, Moses, you talk for us because I don't want to die going into what I don't know. Some of y'all are afraid to jump out of an airplane because you don't know what it's like. Come on now. But some of y'all in the spirit realm need to take a leap of faith. You need to jump. And you need to walk by faith, walk straight into it. And walk in the presence of God. And let, me, let me bring to a, to a point understanding and faith. We must awaken and realize that understanding is not needed for obedience. Faith is. Okay, let, let me read that again. We must awaken and realize that understanding is not needed for obedience. Faith is. See, see when, I, when, when I understand it, it, I don't really, understanding is not needed for obedience. Faith is needed for obedience. When I get over on this side and I don't understand it and I don't have a clue about it, I just know that the word of God says lay your hands on the sick people and they're going to recover and get well. Lay your hands on them and pray over them when, they, when they're sick and the anointing of God's going to come. What I don't understand and God says do it anyway, that's where faith comes in and we see the miraculous happen. And so I don't need to understand it to obey it, but it takes faith to obey it. This is why the Bible says faith pleases God. And many times in your life, you'll never understand it until you've stepped over into it and look back and say, oh, that makes sense now. (laughs) Right? Oh, that's how that works. Right? Some of you want to get to know everything about a brand new job, but you're not going to figure it out until you actually get in the, in the career and do it. This is the problem we have with careers in America today. Everybody is so college educated, but so ex- experience deficient. Everybody is so well read and versed about the Bible and about books and about seven steps to prosperity and seven steps to this and three steps to that and five steps to this. We're so read and educated on it, but we don't have any experience in it. And many times, you just having knowledge of something is great, but until you experience it, you're not going to awaken to what faith is in it. So this area of understanding and faith, when we understand something, it's great, but we got to realize that faith is what it takes to walk in a life of obedience. And if I only obey when I understand, I have reduced God to the size of my understanding. If I only obey when I understand, then I've reduced God to the size of my understanding. Lord, help me when I try to put God in my head. Right? If I only obey, if I only step out in faith and and pray over somebody when I understand everything about it, then I've reduced God to my understanding. Some of y'all say, when I, when I study a bunch and I read a bunch and I begin to, when I understand everything about speaking in tongues, then I'll do it. You're never going to understand it until you step into it, baby, I'm telling you. You can get great knowledge of it. Listen, 
If, that, if, this, if the true case of this is you're never going to do anything until you fully understand it, then you've got to ask yourself, am I truly born again? Because you don't understand that all comes with born again until you step into being born again. And listen, the more you study and read the Word of God, is the, the more you realize I really don't know. And so if I limit God and if I only do what, what, what I understand, then I limit God to the size of my understanding. But, here's the good side of it. But in this, if I will begin to do, if I will obey even though I do not understand, I have opened myself up to faith where now all things are possible just because we believe, not because we understand. <laughs> come on, that's a good thing. Ooh, come on, that, that ought to set some people free. Some of you have wrapped yourself up in so much religion trying to get an understanding of it before you believe it. If you would just begin to believe it, you open yourself up to God's realm where all things become possible to those who believe, not to those who understand it. And when you start walking in it and begin believing it, then you'll understand it. And what we understand, we must manage and steward well so it can multiply. And as it multiplies, we'll walk into a greater level of faith to open ourselves up to all things are possible to those who believe. So then we can begin to understand more. See, we've tried to understand it before we walked it. And God says, sometimes, baby, I need you to walk it and then you'll begin to understand it. Come on now. Woo. Man. I, I tell you, how, if I would have been told this at 13, and, and, and I'll tell you this, the greatest revelations I get from the Father come through seminary. Now, bless God, I love having my doctorate degree, and I love that I graduated seminary, but people say, what's the most valuable thing you ever did to grow the church? And I say, get a business degree from a college. It wasn't seminary, because I can hear from God on my own. And I can understand it and walk by faith into something because I believe him. And I believe his word. And it says all things become possible. <laughs> Come on now. All things become possible to those who believe. See, when you step into this realm of faith and believing, not the realm of just understanding, the realm of faith and believing, you open up a door to a world, not a world, a, 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 a presence of possibilities <laughs> that you never realized were out there. See, some of y'all are thinking, oh, if I could just go get college educated. Baby, God's got wisdom that far supersedes college education. And if you'll just spend time in his presence and get some of his wisdom walking by faith into what you believe rather than what you try to always understand, God can move you from a place of 10 years behind to 20 years ahead and because you said all things are possible because I believe, not just because I understand. And here, here's the thing about the church. When will the church ever get ahead of the curve instead of following the curve? Come on now. Man, for years, and this is the cry of my heart, it's like the church has always been following society. Right? And so, so when society begins to do this, then the church is about 15 years behind and begins to adopt it. And begins to follow it. Because it comes so societal, right, then we adopt it into the church. When will the church realize society's going here, but we got the wisdom and power of God, and we hear from God here, and God supernaturally moves us from here over to here, and we become ahead of the curve, and we become the leaders and not the followers like it's always been destined to be. Come on now. 
I'm telling you, I'm bringing you into a realm that you haven't experienced before, and we're going to do it by faith, even though we may not understand it all. We're going to step into it in a realm of power, and God, and God says when you step into it by faith, Joel, all things now become possible for TWBC because you believe. And that's how I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, God can redeem a ruined city. He can make it brand new. He can redeem the devastation of many generations. He can make it brand new because when we step into even what we don't understand by faith, God says all things are possible and I'll set people free just because you believed in me and listen there's been countless things I've done wrong in leading this church but you know what the one thing I've done right is because I've prayed two prayers God give me wisdom to lead your people and make me a man after your own heart and those two prayers will supersede mistakes that I've made because I will not quit following God because I messed up or I faltered or I tripped or I made a bad decision or whatever. Because God says all things become possible. <laughs> David was a shepherd boy. Became king of a nation. Solomon was born out of adultery. <laughs> became the wisest king that ever lived. Jesus was born in a manger. You kidding me? He became your Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Great I Am, Son of God Most High, elevated, seated at the highest place next to God the Father Almighty. Don't despise your current situation. Come on now. Come on. I'm going to step into to what I do not know. And I'm not going to limit God to my finite understanding because I don't understand all of it. Because some things you'll never understand until you get on the other side of it. I will walk. I will not stop walking by faith into what I do not understand about the glory of God for the sake of having an explanation that lines up with human reasoning. <laughs> if I'm waiting on human reasoning to give me a justification for the glory of God, it'll never happen. Because the things of the spirit are not of the flesh and the things of the kingdom are not of this world. And if I'm going to limit the glory of God to human reasoning, then I may as well not ask for his glory at all. I may as well not walk in his glory at all. I will not stop walking by faith into what I do not understand about the glory for the sake of having an explanation that lines up with, with worldly theology that says you've got to have an explanation for why that person was blind and now they see. <laughs> I'm not going to limit the power of God and the miracles of God and the presence of God because it doesn't line up with human reasoning, medical science, the entertainment industry, the, the, the economic culture that we live in. Man, we just heard a testimony Wednesday night, and I'll bring it up again. The, the guy, he, he, he wasn't even in a place of position, and he didn't even want a promotion, but he came up and prayed that God would use him. And I said, listen, God said this in the Bible. He said, a man sowed in a year of famine, and in that same year reaped a hundredfold return. And get ready, God's going to bring you to places, even though everybody else is losing their job to a place of prominence and to a place of promotion and sure enough he did that defies all human logic he told me Joel I should have been the first one to get laid off or fired and to said I'm the one who got promoted I don't understand it I'm not going to limit the power and the glory of God to human reasoning just because I don't understand it in fact I'm going to see more miracles because I'm not going to limit the power of God and we're going to see God move mightily across this place I will walk by faith and encounter the glory of God to a level 
that my human reasoning starts seeing things from a heavenly perspective. See, I want to walk in this realm long enough, this realm of faith, this realm that, 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 that we fully live, fully immersed in the spirit and the presence of God here on this earth because Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He did it. He portrayed it absolutely in a phenomenal way. That's what the life of Jesus was for, to prove that you can walk in the fullness of heaven, even in the fullness of this earth that you're living in. And as you walk in the fullness of heaven and you're here, then I'll be able to see things from this perspective and my human reasoning will then begin to catch up with the spirit, not my spirit try to catch up with human reasoning. I want to walk in the things of God and in his presence so much that I begin to see things from his perspective all the time. Not just in deep times of prayer and intercession. And as it is revealed to me as understanding, once I begin to walk in this realm long enough and I begin to understand it, then, guess what? What we understand, we steward or manage well what we steward and manage well, we multiply. Listen, we multiply it. We don't duplicate it or manufacture it. If we fall into the lines of duplication and manufacturing, we've missed him. But as we walk in this realm of his glory long enough, we'll begin to understand it. And what we understand, we steward and manage well so we can multiply his presence and glory, not to go from our city to our county, from our county to our state, and we go around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and his presence that transforms every area of our life.